Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome in to the New Orleans Saints podcast for Friday, October 23rd. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, and on today's show, we will be joined by NFL on Fox sideline reporter and dear friend to all of us here in New Orleans, Jen Hale. She'll, she covered the Carolina Panthers earlier in the season, so she provides some great insight into the Panthers. We also speak to the national anthem performer for Sunday's game against the Panthers, Erica Falls. So she'll provide some insight onto who she is, her background in New Orleans, and of course her love for the Saints. So great conversations with those two women. Saints will kick off against the Panthers at noon on Sunday. You can watch the game on Fox and of course listen in to WWL 870 AM with your very own Deuce McAllister and Zach Streif. If you're going to the game, we will have information for you available on NewOrleansSaints.com and, of course, the Saints app, so keep an eye out for that information, I assume, uh, coming out later this weekend. Of course, we'll have the injury report, which everyone will have their eyes on this week as Michael Thomas was listed as did not practice in Thursday's practice, so that injury report for Friday will come out later this afternoon again available on NewOrleansSaints.com in the Saints app. And I'm going to keep preaching it because it is your easiest and best way to get all of the information for your New Orleans Saints and make sure to turn on those notifications. All right, enough for me. Let's go ahead and get into John DeShazer and I's interview with Jen Hale. Now we welcome on the show NFL on Fox sideline reporter, dear friend of all of ours here in New Orleans, Jen Hale. Jen, how are you doing today? I'm awesome, Caroline and John. Thanks so much for having me. How are you? I'm good, of course. I mean, all of us were inside the the Smoothie King bubble, we should say, for doing the um, the bubble broadcast of the Pelicans teams, and then all of us went directly to NFL. So, on your end, Jen, how's it been? Just jumping from from NBA to NFL. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's been crazy, mainly because just of all the COVID changes. It's the little things, Caroline. You know, you, you, I'm testing two or three times a week, uh, once or twice here at home before I travel, and then once I get on site, wherever my game is. So that takes time. There are fewer flights. They're more in, spread out. You know, it used to be you could get to Atlanta seven, eight, nine times a day easily and then catch a connection. Now there's only three flights. Um, so everything just takes a little more patience and we just all have to remember <laughs> everybody's kind of struggling. It's strange for me in terms of I'm not actually on the sidelines. I'm in what we call the moat, the first row. And that has been um, interesting and challenging each week. Some stadiums are, are set up fairly well and some have been train wrecks. So yeah, every week it's kind of like being new at the job all over again because you're having to figure out all different ways to successfully do it. Well, first, Jim, we got to roll this back because when you said, you know, Caroline and John, I started looking over my shoulder. I had no idea who you were talking to. <laughs> you know, if Jen doesn't call me JD, I've started looking around the room. <laughs> it's been too <laughs> so, long person exactly so that's the first thing now the second thing is though you know as a sideline reporter and you're accustomed to traveling to these cities and you're accustomed to sitting down with coaches and players how detached is this feel for you because you know certainly you're able to glean a little bit more information when you're in there in person and you can kind of read body language and you can get a little bit more personal with a with a player or coach as opposed to having to do it this way It's such a great question. Absolutely. So we are still doing our 
production meetings, but they're via Zoom. I will say, I think all of us have gotten a little more comfortable over Zoom. To me, it's not as formal as it was when we first started, but it's still nowhere near like having a conversation in person. Uh, and for me, what I really miss, I got the majority of my work done, the vast majority, game day mornings, because I could be out on the field when players were warming up. And that was really my chance to visit with them one-on-one -on -one and get those last minute little nuggets. You know, if they had an ankle tweak and got some extra therapy, if they were going to try, if, you know, they were going to take some snaps on offense and they're normally a defensive player, all those little tiny things that now you don't have access to any of that. So it, it, there is a feeling of detachment and like I am more of, a, more of an observer than I was in years past. I'm, I'm ready for it to go back to normal, that's for sure. I think we all are, Jen. Um, Jen, you covered the, the NFC South matchup of Carolina versus Atlanta in week five. That was the Panthers' third consecutive win. What did you hear from Matt Rule about maybe why he thinks this team has had success early despite having a lot of turnover on that team? Talk about the surprise team of the year, huh? They, the Panthers, not only are they off to such a great start, but there's so much excitement around them. Out of any team I've covered now going into week seven, I get asked about them more than any other team. Everybody is so intrigued with Matt Rule. I think they're thinking he's the new offensive whiz kid genius in the NFL sphere and it has been really interesting to watch them and to get to sit down with them even if it was via zoom and number one emotion players are buying into what he's doing a hundred percent um and and I don't think that was necessarily the case there with Rivera in in the years leading up to Rivera's departure uh, also, they're just doing some really interesting concepts. Of course, Matt Rule brought over Joe Brady of LSU fame and who cut his teeth at the Saints. And he is doing all sorts of crazy things like with substitutions. That offense moves in and out so quickly. And it's such a fast changing uh, machine in terms of personnel. It's fun to watch and it's hard to diagnose if you're a defense. And I think the level that Teddy's now at, having gotten those years under Drew Brees under his belt, I think it's taken him to a whole new level. So Rule, Brady, and Teddy, the three of them together, they're creating some awesome stuff, finding great mismatches, and having fun. And it shows. Jen, do you almost feel like it's been a benefit to them to, to be new and have a new turnover on the roster when you bring in Teddy, who has a totally different charisma than a cam newton and these aren't kind of cams guys quote unquote that he's playing with he's been able to generate a brand new relationship with a lot of these guys who were pretty new to the process there yes absolutely excellent point jd <laughs> um, <laughs> teddy matches up so well not just age-wise it's a young roster but his philosophy, they have mastered that underdog, counted out philosophy so well, kind of like the Seahawks did in years past. Um, I was interviewing Teddy after, after that win in week five, and we were talking about their running back, Mike Davis, that's filled in so well for Christian McCaffrey. Because I don't know about y'all, but certainly when CMC went down, I thought, well, there goes their last hope. That's it this season. Uh, and, and he talked about Davis playing angry, wanting to punish people for counting him out for so long. And I think a lot of those players on that team have that mentality. Teddy, of course, from 
being just quote unquote a backup and his injury. Uh, and then you have the receiver of gosh, the surprise receiver possibly of the season as well in Robbie Anderson. He just looks completely different than what he looked like with the jets and he's happy. Uh, so I think they've been able to capitalize on this idea of, Hey, we've been counted out. We've been dismissed now together. We can, we can make people pay for that. And I think it does take your, your leader, your quarterback to have that mentality as well. So why being new and not having preseason, having a truncated um, training camp, I think has hurt a lot of teams with new faces. The Panthers have figured out how to make it work to their advantage and it's showing on the field. I'm curious your what, insight, Jen. Before I, I hate to interrupt Caroline here, but I wanted, wanted to finish that one out because you mentioned Teddy and, and that left outfield. And um, I will add this as a side note. <laughs> He is not fond of the way it ended in Minnesota. Um, he doesn't speak. No. <laughs> he doesn't speak about it, and but and he doesn't expand on it. But he was not. He's not pleased with the way it it finished in Minnesota, and that does fuel him. That that's exactly right. A hundred percent, JD. And when when y'all see Teddy this week, uh, doing media, I think you're gonna. I certainly noticed. Not that he was ever immature by any stretch, but he has grown up. He has matured. Um, he does not look like one of the younger quarterbacks, which is always the club. I kind of put him in, Oh, the up and comers give him some time to, to develop. He's there and he has a confidence and a swagger in a good way about him. And let me tell you, he waxed poetic about what being behind Drew Brees meant to his career and how much it helped him mature and develop his process. He told me, you know, before when he was in Minnesota, it was more of a gunslinger mentality and the idea that he didn't know how to prepare and he went out there and just tried to ball on Sunday. But watching Drew for those years in New Orleans certainly taught him how important all that preparation is during the week. And that has given him a different confidence. Matt Rule has given him the reins to this offense. He's free to change anything he wants, uh, which I think is certainly a big difference than what he had in Minnesota. And Matt Rule's giving him those privileges and that leeway because he's ready for it, clearly. I think we've heard Matt Rule and Sean Payton both call Teddy Bridgewater a natural born leader. So happy that he has the opportunity to do that with such a new team in Carolina. But Jen, I want to switch over to the defense a little bit for the Panthers, because when you covered that Panthers Falcons game, Todd Gurley had 121 rushing yards. The Panthers are right now 31st in the league in rushing defense. Now welcoming uh, Alvin Kamara to, to Kamara, excuse me, to that challenge. What's leading to those defensive woes for the Panthers? Have you heard? Time on task, first of all. Secondly, they've had some injuries. They have certainly been banged up. And then, you know, it's funny. When one position group gets better, others get worse. Their secondary has certainly gotten better this season, uh, despite a lot of new names that you, you probably don't necessarily recognize. Uh, but up front, which used to be their strength, that's evolving. Uh, I think the loss of Luke Keekley has really hurt. They're, they're learning how to be strong up front again, all over again. It's not the Panthers team of old that we're so used to, but I do think they have some very interesting weapons on that team that as they grow up and mature, they are going to be around this league impacting it for a long time. Circle Jeremy Chin on your flip card 
or your notes um, that he is a rookie and obviously he's going to make rookie mistakes, but he is such an intriguing, super athlete. He flies around. Technically he's a linebacker. They have him listed at the Sam. He can play safety though. He's such a hybrid Swiss army knife. Uh, I think up front, they're going to get it eventually. Let's hope it's not this week. Um, and, and then <laughs> they'll, they'll be a force to be reckoned with once it starts clicking. Jen, any other players, any other notes that you can give us that we should keep an eye on uh, going into this weekend? Yeah, another name for you, Rasul Douglas. Again, probably haven't heard of him. A very uh, unillustrious career, shall we say, uh, in Philadelphia. The Eagles left him off, you know, cut him at the very end. The Panthers picked him up off the waiver wire. But he has found new life, kind of, again, embracing that underdog counted out mentality uh, in Carolina. They they had to use him because of injuries to, oh, let's say, let's remember our old friend Eli Apple. He should be back this week. Uh, I don't think in the beginning the Panthers were excited about having to start him, but he has been phenomenal. And even though they've gotten these different starters back, they've continued to, to, to use Douglas. And uh, I, I think you're going to see him more, more and more on Sundays. And I think he's going to be a very intriguing piece for them. You always love those stories of guys that mount these great comebacks. And then Caroline, I am kind of curious to see what they do at their kicker position. Joey Sly, he's on the reserve COVID list. Um, man, it's, it's tough to bring in, bring in new pieces right now between clearing the COVID protocols, getting used to the team. Um, I think that's a position to watch for sure. Now, of course, it'll help whomever is at that kicker position that it's indoors, but that that could be a weak spot for the Panthers come Sunday. We saw the Saints benefit from a missed kick in their overtime game, so uh, they're looking forward to uh, hopefully getting a new guy in and maybe rattling him a little bit. Uh, It's kind of odd when you get into those get into those kicking situations because now the the only noise is from the players pretty much. And so they kind of heckle the guy on the field and, and we've seen, you know, good results from that for the Saints, you know, however that might shake out. But uh, yeah, kicking can always turn out to be pretty critical in, in games like this. I'll take it any way we can get it, JD. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, I think we'll have a couple fans in there on Sunday. So maybe they can uh, help a little bit. Yeah, 3,000 hecklers, so that'll be good to to get that. We'll see how much noise they can generate uh, because it it was the 750, and the 750 friends and family was was quaint but not (laughs) loud. Uh, So maybe the 3,000 can can do a little bit better. You know, we'll we'll use this as our Sparta 300. This will be the New Orleans 3,000. I'm ready. I'm so not having fans. I know we need to do it to be safe, and it's worth it. I'm I'm not saying it's not. But boy, it changes the atmosphere. It changes the experience. I, I, I am so ready to get fans back in stadiums when it's safe. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jen, everyone in New Orleans is a fan of you, just like you are a fan of everyone in New Orleans. Where can fans watch you this weekend? I am back in Atlanta this weekend. Um, Lions sorry. at Falcons. <laughs> I know, I know. But, it, you know, I'm, I'm curious and excited because both of these teams – Horrible starts, obviously, but they both won last week. Um, obviously, the Falcons have a new coach, Raheem Morris, and, and I've been hearing a lot out of Atlanta this week that, boy, he is making a lot more changes than you would have thought, and he's very different than he was when he was in Tampa as the head coach of the Bucks. So I'm curious to lay eyes on that myself and see exactly what has changed and uh, what that means for the Saints down the road. And then, of course, the Lions uh, – 
Matt, Patricia, you're kind of just watching and waiting. Does he make it through the season? If they get hot, does his job get saved? Uh, some question marks there. Well, Jen, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Hopefully uh, fans can tune into that game and see you. Thank you for having me. You know, I always love getting to visit with you guys and uh, good luck on Sunday. And hopefully we will all be back doing basketball sooner rather than later. Fingers crossed on that. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jen. Thanks to Jen for her insight on the Carolina Panthers. But now we want to get into another interview with singer, entertainer, songwriter, and national anthem performer for Sunday's game against the Carolina Panthers, Erica Falls. Erica, how are you today? I am good. How are you? I'm wonderful. Erica, can you give our listeners a little bit of insight onto who you are um, and kind of your background in New Orleans? I am a homegrown girl. And uh, I am a singer here in the city, uh, sort of a late bloomer to the scene, some might say. Um, but uh, yeah, this is what I do. I'm a singer and uh, amongst other things, but most of all, I am definitely a New Orleans girl. How did you get into singing? Was it something that just kind of always was something you did? Was it something you always did in your mirror growing up? How did you, how did you kind of grow into that? I come from a family of singers and I'm the youngest. So uh, as we say, like to say here, born and raised, that was born and raised in it. <laughs> I, I love that. Erica, can you tell us a little bit about your, your love for the Saints? Because I have to imagine it was a pretty cool experience being able to record the national anthem for Sunday's game. Uh, I am a diehard Saints fan and it dates back to my dad. My dad um, was a football coach for Nord. So um, I fell in love with football and boxing through my dad. And so uh, we would watch the games together and I would scream and cut up. So to be able to do um, the national anthem for uh, opening up the one of the Saints game is, is a really a, a really pretty cool moment for me. Who notified you of your performance? Was it something that you sought out? How did you kind of, how did this performance come about? Uh, no, someone reached out to me. Uh, I think the guy's name was Kyle. Yep. If I'm not mistaken. And he reached out to me and I was uber excited. I reread it to make sure they sent it to the right person. <laughs> and I was really excited to do it. That's also, that's how it happened. <laughs> Erica, do you have like a favorite Saints player or Saints memory that, uh, that you kind of have kept in the back of your mind, especially growing up watching games with your dad? Well, Joe Horn was one of my favorites. That dude, it didn't matter what was broken, he was gonna catch the ball. <laughs> and uh, just recently, uh, Michael Thomas kind of did an homage to him. And so, uh, and I also love Alvin Kamara and uh, Deuce McAllister. So yeah, I, I, I um, you know, I love all the boys. <laughs> I love it. Erica, I need to know um, a little bit more background information because on your Twitter, and you can follow Erica Falls on Twitter at Erica underscore Falls, uh, you have your cover picture of you crowd surfing. So I need to know where that was, how it came about, and obviously it was before COVID, but um, I have a, a weird dream that I've always wanted to go crowd surfing. So tell me a little bit about that experience. That was in Asheville, North Carolina, and <laughs> I was on tour with Galactic. I was their featured singer for the uh, last five years, and I decided, I said, hey, listen, I'm going to do it. I'm going to crowd surf, and they were like five of my dads, so they were really <laughs> nervous. <laughs> 
about me doing it, but yeah. <laughs> but um, the tour manager, um, her name is Chrissy. And uh, she was like, listen, if you just direct them on what to do, they'll do that exactly. So if you say, if you want them to bring you to the stage, they'll turn you around, they'll bring you wherever you want to go. And so that's where it was. And I've always wanted to do that. It was a, um, a something on the bucket list for me. So I was very uh, happy that I did that, that I fulfilled that. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, other than uh, the 3,000 fans who will hear you inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome on Sunday, where can fans find your music, Erica? Uh, my music is on iTunes. It's on Spotify. Uh, and um, you can find it there. Uh, some of my uh, uh, music that I released, uh, my project Homegrown in 2017, uh, plus other things that I've worked on with other people as well. You can also, also website, find- I'm sorry, ericafalls.com, also on my website. As I was about to say, ericafalls.com is another place. And like I said, you can follow Erica on social media, on Twitter at least, at Erica underscore falls. Well, Erica, we appreciate your time this morning. We can't wait to see your, your performance on Sunday inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Thank you so much. I have butterflies. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> this is it, Saints fans. It is not a drill. Finally, we will see you or some of you inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Can't wait for Sunday. Noon kickoff against the Carolina Panthers. You can watch that game on Fox. Uh, we will, as always, we will have Dome at Home Live available at 11 on NewOrleansSaints.com, the Saints app, wherever you usually watch Dome at Home. You can find it on Twitter, Facebook. Um, we will have Dome at Home an hour before kickoff, so make sure you tune into that. But if you're inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, make sure you are cheering at the top of your lungs. We need all of that Saints, that Saints energy, uh, and we can't wait to see you. So. Um, that'll do it for this week's editions of the New Orleans Saints podcast. We will be back on Monday with a recap, hopefully talking about a win over NFC South rival in the Carolina Panthers. For Caroline Gonzalez, John DeShazer, Jen Hale, Erica Falls, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.